in the far future, faster than light travel is possible via portals called Stiffworks. Human and alien civilizations travel this way for millennia. Trade, war, and technology proliferate. Countless societies rise, thrive, fall, and vanish. Eventually, almost everyone forgets the secrets of the Stiffworks. Almost. 300 years ago, the worshipful company of Stillfleeters is formed on Spindle, a space station of unknown origin. They send fleeters into the void using Stiffworks in search of profit. It is 100 million years in the future. Welcome to Float City. This episode of Float City contains one act of gun violence against a sapient character. It also contains acts of cannibalism, but that probably doesn't surprise you at this point. Previously on Float City, the crew is sent by the company to Rigamont B on a seemingly routine retrieval task. Grab the vascular multi-object from the estate of the dying boss on Vader Asa Lehrer and return it, taking whatever else they can along the way. Rockside, the team is intercepted by the Saffron Anox, an extra-dimensional entity of great power and a trade lord engaged in a long-standing agreement with the Co. The Anox oversees trade on the twins and is involved in various other provinces. He asks the team to find out why company archivist Zeshtino Novelle is holding up a contract of his on Kakudun, a matter he cannot investigate himself without jeopardizing his agreement. The crew is celebrated for their impressive take, and in due course is sent on a mission to Narcosa, the Snakeman Mall planet beset by extra-dimensional fold gates opened onto various company provinces. The crew meets, befriends, and falls in love with a few vat gnomes before facing Facing off against a fearsome entity defending a Narcosan spire. Before defeating it, the entity opens a gate to Kakudun, which Venos stabilizes. We join the team now, in front of the gate, sails them vanquished, considering yet another trip through the Escheresque. Well, I'm, I just figured that we're here. We might as well nip over and do our business with Jastanu and Navel and um, find out why she's causing trouble <laughs> for the Anax. And um, maybe pop back in and have it done all in one. Do you, time out. Vitos, are you sure you want to drop the Saffron Anax's name in front of five uh, strangers? Mm, I think I've already done it. But okay, all right. I don't think it's necessary. I think it's great. I think yeah, it's it doesn't good. necessarily. I didn't say the whole name. I said Anox. Sure. Yeah, it could be any Anox. It could be any Anox. You don't know how many Anox could there be the turmeric Anox. Yes. Uh, I have, my cousin's be... name is Jeffrey Anox, and you don't know if I'm not talking about him. Um. I love that Venus is talking to Taylor. Yes. <laughs> Get out of my space time, all right? I've time traveled here just to tell you off. Now fuck off. <laughs> I mean, I think it's. I think it works within the established canon of Venus just being in too many different times at once. Well, it does. Now I'm reweaving Having, having a conversation with an unseen, uh, <laughs> higher dimensional being, uh, Zap approaches and he's kind of dragging a foot and uh, you can smell some of the burnt pouch that's on his person. And he says, you, uh, you all doing work for the Anox too? Sometimes we ship stuff back and forth for him, but we don't know him too well. Well, it's it's more of a favor, but yes. Yeah, he's a cool guy. No, he's not. Cool. <laughs> We don't. We don't know. Him. No, it's not. 
<laughs> we don't know him that well. But, um, he's bossy. Yes. What? What's that? I said he's bossy. <laughs> he's too bossy. He's real and he's bossy. Beta uh, kind of is looking around, remembering where she is and what's going on, and says, and realizing, wow, every, a lot of hurt people around. Okay, before we go anywhere, who's got some scrapes? Who wants some gunch? You know I got it. Oh, you got that gunch? I got that I'm gunch. Good, I'm but good. I, I, don't, I don't need a gunch. I don't need. Thanks. You, I need gunch. You don't need gunch. I do need gunch. <laughs> you do need gunch. Yeah, you're yes. you're not looking so great. What does it do again? Uh, yeah, what does gunch do? I'm just peddling gunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a synthetic opioid uh, that will affect all biological sapiens. Uh, it heals D6 health. Uh, every time you use gunch, you face in one in ten one in ten chance of becoming addicted. Coming to gunch head. <laughs> Gonna get stuck yeah. on the wanch train. <laughs> so Venus takes a packet or a slice or a big hunk of gunch, whichever way you like to yeah, dispense sh- it. Shannon, how did how yeah, in what form does Beta distribute gunch? Um gunch just she has just a bunch of um gunch like in the bottom of her pocket. It's like there's like a bunch of lint there. You have to make Loose sure gunch. you're not you make sure you're not like eating like a like an Altoid. <laughs> it's just loose in her pocket. Loose ass gunch. <laughs> All right. Um, so he peels some uh, pocket lint off of it and takes it down for uh, four health. And uh, roll a d10 and don't, don't get a one. Roll a d10 and let's get a one. I can't get a one, right? Yeah, don't try get not a one. to get a one. Ooh, try try a nine. I'm absolutely really... not addicted. Yeah. <laughs> you feel great and you hate gunch. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> gunch. Well, I think it it's less addictive when it's been inside a hot pocket. <laughs> yeah. It's got like when it's got like a bit of fingernail stuck yeah, to it. Yeah, it's not right. as good. Sweet. I also how is everyone else's health? Because I can also heal through um heal. Um, okay, and- so there's a non-addictive way to heal, <laughs> and you just try to get me cooked on the funny stuff, the white dragon, the old man's potatoes. <laughs> I thought you loved potatoes, old man. I do. <laughs> can Beta heal grit or just health? So she can just heal health. Grit is just oh, rest. No, I think. Yeah, I think. I think. Um, but you can turn it, health into grit. Right. It's, it's a rate of like what two to one or something. Three to, Three one. to one. Yeah. So I guess Remy is like, I don't even know how this would play out in game terms. Like I'm trying to think about like what that would look like. I mean, you got nanites, right? Like they. Yeah. Nanites can kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you like. I guess you see Remy's skin like start rippling. Uh, he closes his eyes. He's, he's, he he sits down, cross-legged, closes his eyes. His skin starts rippling. He stands up again. It looks like sweaty and sort of exhausted. Yeah, did what I had to do. Oh, also, give me that. Can I have that gunch, Beta? Just give me that. Give me some of that yeah, gunch. Yeah, here, here you go. Oh, wait, wait. That is a tic tac. This is gunch. <laughs> Hell yeah, love drugs. Oh my god, I rolled a one. Oh, uh, you fucking love gunch. <laughs> Don't you so fuck? Do I get any health benefits? Uh, yeah, you still gain the health benefits. How much benefits. is it? Is it like one d six? Oh, honey, I can tell the gunch fever from a mile away. And you <laughs> got it bad. I got one health from that. Now you have to one. use you have to use gunch every day, or you'll suffer twenty minus d will grit loss <laughs> per day. But after, <laughs> but after, and after D six days sober, you suffer D six health damage as well. The withdrawal period ends after twenty five minus D will days. 
so okay so i have to roll d will for how long this is gonna last (laughs) yeah uh 23 days (laughs) sounds like it's gonna be simpler to just get our boy a supply of gunch yeah that's it there's no really yeah i don't uh, yeah i guess i don't understand the downsides here (laughs) seems like a pretty okay drug yeah you just have to have gunch Deep River puts her finger over Mercus's mouth and says, you've got to go. Your future is through the fold gate. <laughs> and he just starts whimpering. <laughs> no, I believe in you. You got to go. You got to help Taurus if he made it. Okay. And out of his pack, he pulls out that giant leaf steak and like... <laughs> Cuts it in half. We'll share this <laughs> before I go. No. No? We'll save it so we have something to look forward to. <laughs> um, Mercus runs over and spots the boot that had kicked the ceiling <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and grabs it and runs back over and hands it to Deep River. Something to remember me by. Deep River just grips it extremely tight and holds it to her chest and says, Go, quick, before it closes. All of you, go now. <laughs> uh, Zap says, well, if you uh, if you have business somewhere else, um, we appreciate your help. If you leave the fold gate open, we can close it. We just pull on this thing, or are you going to take it from the inside? I don't know how this works. I've never seen one of these before. Well, I, I think we actually should probably leave it open. Oh, you want me to just leave it here? I, I think we must. It'll probably be the easiest way to come back. All right. I mean, uh, as long as there are no other troubles with this thing, then uh, there's no reason for us to be up here. So I'll just leave it open. But if I see one strange vibration or hear one kind of weird sound wobble coming from this <laughs> thing, uh, her cocks her grenade launcher, <laughs> then I'll do my duty. Okay. And uh, no one, no, no one gets in her's way. Well, okay then, uh, guys, you ready? Okay. Uh, okay, Marcus goes first, um, sticking a leg into the gate and still like sort of straddling it halfway and trying to like look at Deep River, but then you know falls right in. <laughs> yeah, Marcus, you free fall through the Escheresque, which is exactly as strange an experience as you can imagine. Uh, You know from your initial impressions leaving the local atmosphere and gravity of Narcosa, you are falling down, but as soon as, uh, you know, a significant portion of your body passes through the other side of the fold gate, it feels sort of like you are also being pushed or ejected sideways. And it also, as you tumble, feels for a moment like you are floating up. And it's even kind of like more disorienting now because you're not just walking from one straight plane on the ground to another ostensibly straight plane on the ground. You're just tumbling through the air. And it's like, you don't even know where the horizon is supposed to be at this point. So, uh, Mercus, and then everyone who follows, uh, please roll D4 minus D will plus D reason minimum one and take that in grit damage. Um, Mercus doesn't have to, right? Because he's wearing the bracelet? Right. Mercus, it's very disorienting, but 
because you are wearing the anti-nausea field generator, you are able to appreciate its strangeness and kind of fully inhabit it uh, without feeling really bad. So it's kind of like you are on the universe's best and weirdest roller coaster. As he's free falling, he's doing that same thing, trying to prepare and and remember who he is. And so he's just matching up his little bulby fingers. Um, but this time, imagining the elevator ride and Deep River just staring at him. And he's just quietly singing as he's like free falling. Imagine that there's like little music box chimes as this is happening. It's very peaceful. <laughs> and he's just going... <laughs> such a pretty smile (laughs) tumbling through the weird blue gray uh, sky of the Escher-esque humming a little song wherever I'm going you're not going my way Uh, (laughs) cut back to deep river Oh, Marcus, <laughs> <laughs> you left and you gave me a booty. <laughs> no, no, it's a joke. <laughs> Deep River sounds like Tom Jones. I love it. Yeah, yeah. who is that? <laughs> All of you standing um, on the floor of the distance liquidation unit uh, on Narcosa hear the tiny, calm hummings, the, the nostalgic singing uh, of Mercus as he descends through the Escheresque and then is brightly lit up as he crosses another threshold into the atmosphere of Kakudun, or I guess the like, you know, um, a couple dozen feet off the ground in Kakudun. Who follows? Remy uh, jumps through, just leaps. Yeah. A swan dive. Well, I think he wants to try and do a front flip and land on his feet, but he's like, he's like, he, he knows it's going to be bad. He's just trying to get through as fast as he can. Uh, yeah, you dive in and um, you start to try to do a front flip, but then as soon as you cross over the border into the Escheresque, it's like front and back completely collapse, and you're you know you're spinning, but it's in every way and in even some opposite ways all at once. Remy's thinking, he's he's thinking, fucking knew it, I fucking knew it, uh, and he takes four grit damage. All right, four good damage. Uh, Beta follows Remy, kind of tries to do one last wave, um, goodbye, and kind of trips into uh, the Escheresque. And that causes her to really just like lose her balance and not really be able to compose herself. And she loses 14 grit. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, wow. She's Oof. not doing Ugh. very well. <laughs> Well, it would. I would feel worse if she couldn't just absorb grit from the atmosphere. So yeah, it's true. She rolled, uh, yeah, a d12, and she rolled 12 on her. Woof. I believe that leaves Venus. And Venus also uh, hops through feet first um, and falls through. He rolled very low on his reason, which was good. So he actually only takes two grit damage. Nice. Very different from the last time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like one of us always takes just a shitload of grit damage. Right. And then right as you're dusting yourself off, about to walk away without even looking behind you, Oat falls through the portal, um, <laughs> falls on the ground, <laughs> gets up. You see six grit sort of vanish from his <laughs> persona, and, and then he just screams. <laughs> to the sea, to the sky, to the stars, just screams at the top of his lungs. Oat, hello, you're back. I thought you we I thought we lost you there, buddy. I mean, mentally speaking, it seemed like you were in a bad way. I think I might be lost. Oh, you definitely are. 
yeah. <laughs> uh, I but- did not like that place very much. <laughs> it didn't like you either, and that is just fine. We're in space somewhere. Uh, well, uh, no, no longer. You have arrived on Kakadoon. Congratulations. <laughs> I think we're uh, technically back, still in space if it's a planet, right? I, well, I guess that's true. <laughs> Come on. Um, back on Narcosa, um, Zap uh, takes takes one final look at Pop, and he goes, "Do you think they're going to be okay?" Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Aloha and happy holidays, my friends and listeners. It's me, the dull Swiss army knife of Fun City, Taylor Moore. And I'm coming at you to tell you about uh, a fantastic sponsor. You know them, you love them, and if you don't, you will. Inked Gaming. Inked Gaming makes game gear. If if you're into tabletop gaming, or if you know someone who's into tabletop gaming, this is the place that makes, gonna make all the boxes for everything. Your boxes for cards, your dice rolling boxes, custom dice, and they're really great at big playmats. And they have a bunch of stuff that's already been designed by artists all over the world who are fairly compensated for their work, but also their specialty is helping you design your own custom stuff. They even sent us some samples of some playmats and some dice bags and things, and I am not kidding you, It did not have that weird chemically plastic smell that everything else in the world seems to radiate like the villain in Fern Gully. Uh, No, no, no. Uh, It smelled like shortbread out of the oven. And I don't know if that's a trick they played on me or if it's just the sort of holiday magic uh, (laughs) you get um, from a small group of passionate gamers in Oregon, United States of America, who are just trying to make really good, fun stuff. High quality, well-made gaming gear for you, your friends, and your family. And get this, that's right, you can use the code FUNCITY at checkout to get a 10% discount on your order. Now, you know, I mean, come on, open up your stocking and what's in there? Whoops, a 10% discount? Yeah, okay, you're gonna love it. Uh, Please go check it out at inkedgaming.com. Slash Fun City. Everybody roll 1d4. Rick has got a two. One. Venus got a four. You all take that much health damage uh, <sighs> just having fallen from a great distance through the, the crisp, clean, clear skies of Kakudun onto what is otherwise a pretty pleasant sandy beach. Hmm. Gah, motherfucker. Why um, does this shit keep happening to me? I've got sand in my boots. Oh. And he's just pouring out the sand. <laughs> it's cool. It's a little humid. There's a light breeze. You can hear the light ocean waves. There is also garbage everywhere around you. There is just piles and piles of this weird crap that you have seen these fold gates scoop up and toss into various locations. And it's all across this otherwise like pretty picturesque beach. Uh, Just like white sand, uh, 
blue water, uh, mostly clear blue sky, little fluffy clouds. It uh, stretches for a long ways to your left if you're facing out to sea. It uh, sort of does a little curve around you uh, to the right. It seems like it forms a kind of inlet. And if you look across the water in that direction, you can see that there's a wide and distant shore uh, off, uh, off on the horizon. It looks a little snowy. You can see some huge, big, blocky buildings on it. You can hear some seabirds. There's uh, a few dunes around you. Are those... Are those seabirds? <laughs> I mean, is that is that the sea? Mergus looks up and is like, Predator? Predator? <laughs> uh, they're pretty small. I think you're pretty safe. Oh. Um, oh, already I'm feeling better. This is perhaps not so bad, but I have to ask you all a question, which is why did we run through the gate to here? Uh, we, we have our reason. We, weren't you there? We talked about this. Why are we? Why did we need to go to Kakodun? We're doing a thing to please some other people to do another thing. It's a whole. It's a whole thing that we've been doing. Oh, I'm not sure if the snake men have removed this from your mind, but do you remember Zash Dano, the 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 person that uh, the um, Saffron and Knox mentioned? Um, she's on this planet. We um, uh-huh. are only required to ask and get what information we can um, about why she's causing trouble for him and his trade. Um, so this is part of your uh, Saffron and Knox skunk works. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yes. I got a beach. I got some suspenseful, fun espionage work. Back in business? I'm, I'm feeling better. All right. But but again, um, um, just so you know, and I think we should all keep this in mind, if the company were ever to ask, when we fought the sales them, we fell. were successful, but we fell into this gener- this this fold gate that had passed through us. And that's why we are now on Kakadoon. You got it, Vinos. I think I can remember that. Yeah, as you look around um, on this beach um, and like the little dunes and and like uh, yellow grass that's around you, you actually do see that uh, up a small hill um, away from the sea, uh, there's a kind of like main road with a few buildings on it. Um, They're short. Uh, Seems like they're mostly made of like wood or or chipboard or like mycelium or something. Um, You can see some zogs carrying uh, carriages, uh, moving shipments of, of tall piles of these bright red plants back and forth on this road. And you can also see uh, there are a number of, you think they're waitins uh, around, but they look a little weird. They look different from the waitins that you're used to seeing on spin. Uh, They are uh, bright pink rather than uh, rust brown. Um, Their antennas uh, that come out of their heads are much much longer. They're in a sort of wide arc uh, that comes from from the top of their head. Uh, They're all wearing these sort of like leather smocks or or skirts, uh, and they have these like harnesses uh, on their upper torso with a bunch of tools in them. Uh, And uh, a few of them are standing nearby you, uh, and they are wearing these wide-brimmed hats uh, that look like they're made of cork. And this stands out to you because you have actually seen uh, one of these beings of some kind before. Um, you saw, I believe, a being that fit this description and was wearing a similar-looking hat collapsed, dead, underneath the control panel in the prison in the Onvader's estate. You see a bunch of them carrying debris, carrying this white Narcosin debris away from the beach, um, just behind uh, a building somewhere on the other side of this road that's near the beach. One of them is uh, walking towards you. 
there's a small semicircle of them that are watching from a distance because, um, you know, some people have just fallen from the sky uh, and who knows what's coming next. Uh, but after you've all dusted yourself off, they've heard you have a conversation with Oat, uh, a sort of shorter and like maybe older looking one uh, begins to walk from the group towards you. No waitest, but I think we've seen these dudes. Yes, they look familiar. And and they're they're not any kind of sapient that I would they that I would know or know that they normally live in Cockadoon. Uh, roll roll reason. I think this would be pretty easy. Okay. Especially for a xenobiologist. Well, I rolled a three, no a four. Great, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, this is a type of waiting that is particular to Cockadoon that there was a sort of um, like branching um, evolution that happened uh, and that this is, uh, this is a, a type of waiting or a subspecies sub I'm not smart enough to know what the actual like correct in our world descriptor would be, uh, but like a subclass of waiting that looks slightly different because of the bright red algae uh, that they eat. Um, and uh, because of the sort of pressures of their environment here on Kakadoon, uh, they look slightly different. You might know that they are described in uh, the common tongue of spin as something that is translated from waiting to big drink wranglers. Uh, that that is their sort of demonym. So as Beta sees um, one of them come over, she whispers to Remy, Ooh, I've never spoken to a big, what was it called? <laughs> a big drink wrangler. A, a big drink, drink, a big drink wrangler before. I have so many questions, but I'm going to act cool. Howdy. Howdy. Hello. Y'all all right? I see you're keeping a safe distance. Here you go. Same. We're good. Uh, I just saw you fall out of a hole there. Yeah, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were come. We, we meant to come here, though. Mm hmm. We don't want any trouble now. Oh, we don't. We, we don't either. We're just we're um, we're here to find a uh, find a friend. All right. Mercus like pokes through uh, with stylophone in hand, pretending to write. And I am happy to report that nothing will be falling from that hole anymore. Y'all from Spin? Am I looking at a bunch of fleeters? Oh, how could you tell? Your clothes. Yeah, we didn't change them. We don't want to. Uh, we didn't want to fit in with the locals. We didn't actually know where we were going, really. Yeah, nice we're not worried you. about you trying to fit in with us. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Four foot tall bug. <laughs> okay. Right. I see that you're a spicy, spicy person. <clears throat> yeah. Well, uh, we are... don't cotton to much uh, shenanigans around here. I'm sure you'll. Excuse my forthrightness. Excuse? You looking for another fleeter? Is there another fleeter to be seen, to be found? If there is, it's that way. And he points southeast. Uh, yeah, and he's just pointing across the town, basically. Like away from the ocean. Okay, so away from the ocean. I like that. Well, thank you for your help. I don't think we need to introduce ourselves. Unless you'd like to, we can. No. Okay. Better not to. Okay, you don't have to... You're making it ominous now. I don't... Is there something we don't know that we should know? You want to go to Nolasta, the city. Uh-huh. Nolasta. Okay. That's mm -hmm. about five days, six days on foot. Got any Zogs? I got Zogs, but I need them. <laughs> so here's the ominous part. <laughs> 
You ready to walk five or six days? Possibly. No, no you're not. No, we're not. <laughs> they don't. They, we don't have to show all our cards at once. <laughs> Beta's holding her her head. Cards. <laughs> yeah, she's holding her cards out. <laughs> I have a king of hearts, and <laughs> as he has been uh, talking to you, a few other of the waitins that are around these like pink waitins with these long antennas are slowly walking up behind him. One of them that's wearing a, a harness around their front that's got uh, what looks like a bunch of like chisels and may- maybe hammers in it uh, leans and and whispers something to him, and you can't hear what it is, and then uh, like just turns their eyes back towards the rest of you sitting in the sand. Venus kind of um, snaps too. He uh, looks at the uh, wait man and says, well, we we mean no trouble. Um, I, I was wondering, though, have you or any of your like been affected by the lack of uh, trade between your, your planet here and the lovers? Well, we mostly farm and hunt around here at the shore, but... Uh... I've heard some complaints from folks from No Laster. Yes, well, that is related to the manner of why we are here. We hope to grease the wheels and get things swimming back the way they were. So, anyway, we do appreciate your help, and um, rest assured, we, we seek no trouble. Well, that actually gets me thinking... Greasing wheels and whatnot. Yes. You know, there was a there was a squad of your kind that came through here a few cycles ago, and they actually abandoned a vehicle not too far from here. It's not in good shape. Last time I saw it, it was all but rusted away. But uh, I can't spare any Zogs, so maybe that's maybe that's your best hope. He turns around and he talks to the other waitings a little bit, and he turns back to you and kind of sighs with resignation. I reckon it'd be easier for me to show it to you rather than clean up your dead bodies later. Follow me. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. As you follow uh, this sort of a shorter, older bug man, the rest of the waitins who are standing nearby rush into the circle that you were all occupying, the sort of um, circle where there was no garbage, surrounded by garbage, and they look up at the fold gate, which they've never seen them stay. They've never seen them not move. So this is maybe like the first time that they've been able to like look at it and be like, huh. Uh, And they're all pointing at it. You can hear them sort of uh, like chittering and whistling and like talking to one another about what it is. I was going to say, since we have to return that device, it might not be a good idea to go back to soon because it's a snake man gate because Mercus can't afford that. Grit-wise, the a Snake Man gate is pretty complicated, and so I think a gate from Kakadun would probably be more affordable <laughs> or less okay. risky. I um, believe a Snake Man gate, you have to... I forget exactly what it is. Sacrifice something? Look. I'm pretty sure you have to kill somebody. Yeah, you have to sacrifice okay. something. Um, nice. But I'm just saying, like, because we have to return the device, we have to close this gate anyway. Okay. Right? Um... <laughs> So Venus looks up at the gate. How far of it? How far up is it? Uh, yeah, like maybe thirty feet. Okay. Oh. We fell thirty feet and took like one damage. You want, I, do you want to take more? You can roll with your dice if you want. I took, I, I took four damage. It's on just sand. Okay. I, yeah. I, I did take four just, damage, so I would rather high. not take more. <laughs> I mean, Bijan, Bijan wants to hurt you, so. Yeah, if you don't mind. <laughs> he tried to blow me up with a grenade earlier, but I did. Yeah. Venus looks up. He scratches his chin. Well, maybe we send a message to our friends. 
<laughs> and ask them to take it out and throw it through. Just as you're talking about it, yeah. <laughs> the gate explodes. <laughs> like the telltale orange gout of flame of her, uh, hers grenade explosion uh, blasts out and the gate begins to move away and shrink. And Venus goes, well, that problem solved. We've lost the, <laughs> the stabilizer and that's just how it's going to have to be. What the hell was that? Uh, that was uh, a grenade. That was just some friends. Are there gonna, is there going to be any more of that kind of stuff? You can see the, the gate disappearing as we speak. All right. Clear skies in the northwest of Kakudun. Let's hurry it up. He begins to walk faster. Yes, yes, of course. Thank you. Yeah, Mercus is updating the stylophone. And then shall be the gate. <sighs> All right, so I guess after about a mile of walking, he leads you to sort of a, a circle of, like, dunes that are obscuring this wonderful-looking machine buried in the sand. Mike, do you want to describe it? Yeah, sure. Um, so it is, it would have to be dug out. Uh, it looks like it has, through the winds blowing the sand around as they do, has been partially buried. There's even some dune grass growing on it. Uh, but you see uh, the front of, oh, yeah, what is definitely like a, a vehicle of some kind that like you, you or I in our world would describe this as a car, kind of. The nose of it is sticking out of a, a this dune um, and it's uh, like dark matte gray. You can see that it's uh, kind of rusty and uh, there's like a, you know, you can see part of what looks like a, a set of uh, tri wheels on either side of it. Uh, so like smaller wheels in a triangular arrangement um, in the space that a regular normal sized wheel would take up. Uh, and you can see through the kind of bubble cockpit glass uh, that's on the front of it, uh, that there are at least two seats right up front. Um, the driver's side uh, does not have a wheel, but it looks like it has two joysticks uh, and at least another two seats in the back on the other side of what seems like a strange partition. Mercus, if you want to roll reason uh, and you roll a six or higher, you've seen this before. You know what this thing is. Mm. There is a chance that in Banshee school, you would have either piloted one <laughs> or just seen a picture of one or learned about it. Mercus got a nine. Oh, hell yeah. This is an ambler. Um, an ambler is a uh, is potentially it can potentially seat four people. Uh, two people in the front in the cockpit and two people in the back in the tailgate or what are sometimes called gunner seats. You can see from the part of it that's sticking out that this ambler has been highly modified. Um, and so you have no idea sort of what all has been done to it, uh, but it definitely, like the tri-wheels are new. Uh, you know that it has several different modes of conveyance and that it is a like highly sort of like modular and customizable piece of equipment, but you, you can't really tell all that's been done to it. Looking into the cockpit, you can tell that, yeah, the interior has also been modified. What are the second two seats uh, in the cockpit are news to you. Uh, normally that's storage. Someone has really like done a lot of work to it, uh, but it's pretty old. Yeah, Mercus is whistling 
as he's uh, <laughs> walking around this thing. Ooh, buddy, it's an ambalier. Because, you know, Marcus <laughs> is the kind of person who's read something but never heard it out loud. <laughs> okay, so everybody th- knows of this. This vehicle is now to you an ambalier. Ah, an ambalier. I've been told that I have an ambalier, but that was when I was younger and could hear better. Go on, please. I'm sorry. (laughs) Venus is faced away from everybody. (laughs) Yeah, Mergus is poking and prodding, trying to open things uh, and checking it out. Need some help there, bud? I think I can turn that thing on. I think I can also turn this thing on. Um, What would you say is the type of tech that we are working, looking at here. Yeah, this is like a calm, like mid-level. Okay, so that's a one, two, three. Okay, so that's a a rank three for Mercus. Yeah. And then the level of, of complexity. So you would would you say this is like military or corporate? Corporate. Four. Okay, so three times four. I'd have to burn twelve grit to do that. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. That's a lot of grit. <laughs> yeah. Turn it on. Or to, to, to pilot it. Yeah. So what I'm going to say is, so what I'm going to say is this, uh, just to describe what it is that you're looking at. Like you, let's say you, you're walking around it. You take a look at it. Uh, the it's buried in sand. It's going to take like a day to even dig it out. And if you pop open the hood on the front of it to take a look at the engine, like it's in not irreparable condition, but like it's bigger than a single roll to get it going. You're going to have to like, fashion some parts and you're going to have to like use a workshop for a couple hours. Like you can definitely do it. And what I would say is like, if if we want to, if we want to call it that it would like come out in the wash, burn a bunch of grit over the course of several days during which you would be resting anyways. So like, I mean, you guys can do whatever you want. You can, if you want to steal Zogs from this man, like you can do that. If you want to walk through the woods, you apps or through the countryside, you know, you can absolutely do that. If you want to spend a couple days, like, I don't know, like ask this guy if he's got a floor you can sleep on, you can do that. Uh, But I think if you want to use this thing, uh, yeah, it's going to take you a couple days. But both of you, I think both Remy and Marcus have the skills to do it. It just takes a little while. Mm hmm. And, uh, yeah, so Mercus opens up the hood and is just like, oh, boy, okay, uh, this thing needs some work. Uh, yeah, some uh, some seabirds fly out. They have built a nest uh, underneath part of the amblier. Shoo, 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 predator, <laughs> shoo. <laughs> Beta goes up to the wait, the wait-in and says, you have any other um, vehicles here? I got Zogs, and uh, you can't have any, I'm afraid. I need them. Okay. So what if we if we fix this thing for you, could we borrow some Zogs? No. I'm afraid it's either that, he points to the Amblier, or those, he points to your feet. Well, it looks like we're camping. How do you guys feel about that? Oh, no. We have to camp on the beach. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> Twist my arm. I'm going to be back cleaning off tables or looking at uh, in-dimensional weird creatures that are going to give me nightmares until I die. Oh, no. <laughs> Camping on the beach. Oh, gosh. This is the first time I felt safe in like six hours. Oh, you know what? I'll start the fire. Okay? We can tell stories. All right, Remy, you want to take a look at this with me? Yeah, for sure. All right, you can camp here, but you take only pictures and you leave only footprints and no dogs off leash, all right? That sounds fair. Now, I got to leave you alone 
I got a brood of about 16 little ones back home. Oh, that's so cute. Now, excuse me. I um wanted to maybe go into town and get some supplies and maybe see about uh, getting a workshop available for any parts that they may need to work on. How long would it be for me to make a walk to a, a town of this sort? I'll take you back. Oh, okay. Well, grand. Great, great, great. Perhaps I can meet the little ones. Um, Anybody you else won't. would like... Okay. Anybody else would like to come with me? Why doesn't everybody just take me through... Uh, what uh, clips and scenes we see sections of mm. during the three day three day montage, while <laughs> Mercus and perhaps Remy fix the Ambler. Is this our first montage? <laughs> Cue the music. <laughs> you know, at the first five minutes, Venus is telling his story to this really um, not interested waiting, <laughs> and then you know you cut uh, a few minutes later, Venus is well. Enough about me. Tell me about you. Tell me about this red stuff and you guys love to eat it. What does it taste like? <laughs> well, it's hard to describe, you know. I mean, we've all got different taste buds, I reckon, us being different species and all. Sure, yes, yes. But I guess if I were to liken it to something, it tastes the way UV light looks. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> huh. We might just find common ground after all, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, do you have any recommendations for places to get supplies or food or scraps or utilities? If you don't talk to me for the rest of the walk, I'll show you all those places, yeah. At first, Mercus is uh, digging with, with his little bulby hands, but the sand isn't moving very much because he can't really close his hands. <laughs> and I guess gradually over time... The, the sand is being pushed away from the vehicle. Um, and, you know, it just cuts to him having his suit pulled halfway down like an Air, Air Force pilot <laughs> and um, suddenly has a bandana wrapped around his forehead. <laughs> Very good. Right. Yeah. There's a bunch of wrenches laid out. And he's trying to like, he's struggling, pulling, trying to pull the glove box open. And uh, like Remy just walks up and presses a button and it opens. <laughs> Or pretty much any mechanical sequence where Mercus is pushing, it's a pull. <laughs> or if it's a lift, it's actually a press down and pops up. Remy just comes by and spins the wrench the other way. Yeah. He, he absolutely does. He's, you know, he, he's, uh, Remy's just like chilling. He's, he's suddenly has his shirt off and he's drinking a beer. Um, no matter what time of day, it's just, he's just has a beer and he's just looking, you know, sort of looking on, like nodding at Mercus's efforts. Remy steps in when he feels like he needs to, which, you know, let, you know, let, let the kid spin his wheels for a bit. You know, uh, I don't know that I've ever asked this. Is Remy ripped? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Great. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a good, I think that's a good answer. Sort of just, just sort of casually though. It's like, sure. you, you, you're like, oh, uh-huh. Mercus is pulling weeds out of the wheels. He's, uh, you know, there's like a little dance sequence. He's standing on the hood of the car and there's like firelight behind and just kind of. I'm imagining a cut, a cut between each of these uh, two, uh, like camping on the beach at night and everybody looking up at the stars and sitting around a fire. Maybe out telling stories. And then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> they hired me to steal it from the Onvader. What? 
That's why I got to know her in the first place. And she was your girlfriend? Well, that came later. See, at first, she was my mark. But oh, when we're looking the other way, isn't that when love sneaks up on us? Isn't that when it happens? So you were the mark all along. Are we not all marks for love? Oh, marks. And Mercus just leans on Beta. (laughs) Isn't that nice? (laughs) And Beta's angry. (laughs) (laughs) Mercus does not notice (laughs) because she has never felt love before. Poor beta. <laughs> Poor beta. Cut pan pan up yeah. to the uh, t- three moons in the sky. <laughs> back at uh, back at camp, uh, beta is going to take a closer look at that object that she grabbed in the burning room. Oh, sure. Forgot about that. I know I had too. What I know about it are it uh, smells nice and it's about the size of a walnut and it has some large tendrils. Um, Yeah, it fits very comfortably uh, in the palm of your hand. Uh, It's uh, got a slightly round form to it. You can feel that there's like a a sort of solid part at the bottom of where all the tendrils are. It is uh, wrapped in a piece of cloth, part of which is sort of burned, but some of it remains. And it does have, looks like stuff printed on it. Um, Do you want to do like sort of unwrap it and take a look at what's there? Yeah, so you see uh, a bunch of half-charred pictures printed on this cloth, this sack that this thing was put in, uh, and they're uh, like blurred faces of what look like children wearing robes. They're wearing very, very bright clothing, and it looks like they are winding up, uh, like they're gonna throw something. Then there's a big gap uh, that where there's like been charred away and it's been burned, uh, and uh, the the bottom half is uh, these kids playing with what looks like a shudva. Um, and in another quadrant, uh, you see that it is playing, that there's like another sort of like kid winding up. Uh, and you can see that they are talking to a waiting. And next to that, there is a child that is smiling, uh, very happily dissecting an unhuman uh, whose chest is open. Uh, and the unhuman is sort of like on an operating table and also smiling and giving, giving four thumbs up. And they don't have this object. These, This is the pictures, but the object's not in the pictures. If you look really, really closely, uh, you can see that in the first pictures uh, where they're winding up and it looks like they're throwing something, you can see some bright pink tendrils coming out from between their fingers. And she remembers. Okay, so this is what she remembers. She sees that and she remembers that. One of her notes about the rom-com movie, which she has really been investigating, is that, you know, women are always like good with children, fall in love. Like they have to be good with children in order to fall in love. We don't know why, but that's just part of the trope. So she is going, she's kind of like, let's see if I can get some kids into this. So she's going to try to find a playground to throw this ball at. Okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there are a bunch of kids who are playing um, in like a kind of uh, slightly rundown wooden playground next to the beach, um, like young yeah, and, and she, um, you know, she's not the most 
socially graceful person or Shuta. Um, and so she just kind of throws the tendril thing in the middle of the crowd. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, <coughs> interesting. Um, is, is this a bad idea to do? No, this is, a, this is I mean, we're going to, we're going to play it out. We're going to see what happens. Oh my God. Just subtract one grit. Okay. As you are holding this thing, you know, it feels kind of like a very squishy koosh ball mm-hmm. with larger tendrils. You throw it. As you throw it, you can feel it kind of suction onto your fingertips as it leaves your hand. Uh, like it just sort of like grabs onto you and grabs onto your fingertips for the briefest little moment. You're like, oh, that's a little weird. Uh, and it detaches and it flies. And as it flies, uh, it transforms into, name the first sapient that comes to mind to you, Shannon. Um, uh... Uh, human. It transforms into a human. Describe the human that comes to mind. It's an old, old lady, um, maybe ninety years old, hunched over. Uh, has has a walker. <laughs> She's wearing a long nightgown. Yeah. So uh, it lands in the middle of this playground full of children. Uh, and uh, it sort of like spindles out. There's a bunch of tentacles flying and flipping and flailing. Uh, and it makes a sound sort of like someone like waving a piece of like thin PVC pipe around. But like 30 of them like. Uh, and uh, yeah, it transforms into a 90 year old lady in a long nightgown at a uh, using a walker. Uh, she does not move. Uh, her eyes are open. She does not appear to like take any action. It, it doesn't look like she's mobile. She doesn't look alive. Many of the kids shout and run away. Um, uh, one of them uh, who is uh, wearing like a very tiny cowboy hat uh, walks over and pokes the old lady uh, who does not respond in at all. Uh, and then kind of like just looks disinterested and walks away from it. <laughs> uh, Beta sees the scene happen. And goes, and she goes, well, I guess it wasn't a baseball. And uh, she just kind of backs away from the scene and is just going to leave the old lady there. <laughs> A little bit embarrassed, a little bit tail in between her legs. She doesn't have a tail, but uh, is not going to bring this up with the group. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you leave. uh, Who knows what it is? Uh, Some piece of (laughs) snake man consumer technology that read your mind and made an old lady. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, later that night, Remy has decided to um he's get he's like gonna do like a a, a fake like lsd ayahuasca type ceremony thing with his c-beam because he has a, a bunch of c-beam and is like yes this seems good uh and he sees the old lady and is like, the sun is setting on the old lady in the playground <laughs> she is there motionless like a meat statue he just looks at the old lady turns around and walks like 50 feet in the opposite direction and then sits down and uh you know Makes a little campfire, looks at the ocean, and uh, hits the sea beam. This is exciting. <laughs> Remind me what sea beam is? Um, it is the jelly drug that um, right. Remy got. Right, I remember, yeah. I remember. Uh, so you sit down in front of the fire, and you open up the little locked box. You pull it out of your backpack or wherever you had it, and inside there's a big brick of dense red jelly. It jiggles as you unlock it. 
Um, it's like sort of lightly perforated. So you could just pull off a little cube if you want. Uh, if you want to do like what it seems to indicate is a standard dose. If you put it in your mouth, uh, it yeah, it doesn't really taste like much. Uh, it's kind of salty. Uh, but other than that, it doesn't really have much of a taste. You have to pass a standard will test followed by a standard charm test. Okay. Um, so you have to pass six for both of those. All right. I guess Remy's burning grit to do drugs. So <laughs> <laughs> um, seven. Let's go. Nice. Okay. You, pass, uh, yeah, you then, passed your will roll. Yep. And charm, huh? Let's do it. I'm going to say he's going to burn another three grit just because like, you know, he's he's excited. He wants to do this. Yeah. I'm going to say just to be clear. Yeah. Just to let you know what the stakes are. You do not want to fail either of these rolls. Oh, yeah. That's right. Like it's bad. Bad things happen. Beginning of yeah. time, right? Uh, you might get. Yeah. You might get transported to either before things are made or after things are unmade. So. OK. He's going to burn six grit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, 14. Okay, yeah, you know, <laughs> nice. you feel great. Um, Are you sure you don't want to throw some of this drug at children? And, see what <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and then after he takes it, he uh, gets up and s starts walking. Just, you know, he's like pacing around his fire. As you pace around the fire, uh, you uh, and the sun sets, it gets um, first uh, sort of, um, it gets first sort of like dull kind of orange. And then as the sun sets, uh, it moves um, down below the horizon where the sea is and it starts to turn kind of pink. It's really beautiful. And it has this uh, very uh, striking gradient on the horizon, uh, both from uh, the sea, um, which is off, um, you know, past uh, past the playground with the old woman uh, and across the beach uh, where you can see another dull uh, campfire where all of your friends are sitting and then the water with all of the uh, boats in it and, um, you know, this, this pink horizon. The pink kind of starts to come towards you as you're looking out and it looks like it's just sort of grabbing and enveloping everything uh, as it's approaching you. Um, and it's, it's almost like a wall of color. Uh, and it hits some of the boats and they disappear behind it. And it hits the beach and it starts to get sort of drawn up and almost like melted into this wall of pink and orange. And it comes closer and closer to you. It swallows up the street that you see. It swallows up some of the houses and the playground and the old woman. And it reaches you and then it just fully envelops you and it swallows up you. And you're just looking at this kind of like infinite but also uh you know right up close like it's just millimeters from your eyeballs plain um matte plain of just this weird beautiful color um and it uh shrinks and starts to retreat again and what you see is Because I feel like I gotta explain it 
because I need to explain it to myself. So I, so I remember and understand what I'm seeing. It's cold. It's so loud. I don't think I've ever been anywhere this loud before. Everything is lit up too. It's night, but there's so many signs. It's like daytime down here. No one really is paying attention to me. And it seems like this, uh, this building's kind of kind of go on forever. The sounds are very different than on the beach. I can tell I'm in a different place. Like this feels real. It feels like, like yeah, I'm high, but wow. It feels like I'm seeing, like, I'm, that I, like I've moved somewhere. are friendly. I don't really know where I'm going. Things look kind of hazy if I look too far ahead. It's like, it's like it's waiting for me to get there before it comes into focus. Also, like, all of this feels kind of familiar. I feel like Mercus wouldn't like this. Beta would be fascinated. I feel like Venus has probably already been here. than doing jobs for the co. Just, I'm just here. I'm not supposed to cover any objects. I don't have to worry about spin or his politics. I'm just here. For the first time, I'm just here.
saturation all the way down uh, on a photo, um, and then uh, you know like turning the contrast all the way down, and uh, your the environment that you're in just becomes this gray plane, uh, and that gray plane is the inside of your eyelids asleep next to the playground on Kakadun. Remy wakes up. He tries to figure out what time it is. It's morning. It's the next morning. So he's like, well, I slept on the beach. The last thing he does is he walks toward the old woman because he notices it hasn't moved all night. He, he just pokes it. It feels like poking an old lady. <laughs> he shivers. <laughs> he walks back to his tent and he goes back to sleep. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So fast forward a couple days, like you guys, after a while, uh, you mess around, um, you know, in this little village, uh, taking drugs near, um, <laughs> uh, uh, kids playgrounds. Um, throwing old ladies at them, uh, as it were. <laughs> uh, but it, uh, Mercus, after a couple days, has managed to fix the ambler. Is there anything that anybody wants to do before you leave? Yeah, I think um, Remy's going to try and convince everyone else to do C-beam with him. <laughs> <laughs> it's early. How addictive it's, is this drug, Mike? Um, C-beam has, C-beam <laughs> has no addictive qualities. Mm. Uh, however, I will just repeat, it is extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, anybody? Venus is in. <laughs> <laughs> Beta sees this conversation going on, kind of pokes her head in. What are we talking about? Beta, you want to do some drugs? Yes, always. (laughs) Hell yeah. And Mergus is like sitting on the ground, uh, touching, touching the fingers together. Um, Maybe, maybe I'll keep an eye on all of you. I don't don't think is, would it be worse than the drunk? Maybe, probably. I think so. Yeah. Um, why don't, Marcus, why don't you and me just uh, hang out over here by this weird little sand car? Actually, there's something I needed your help with. I stole all this red plant that people have been harvesting and I want to try and figure out if we can cook it or something. He's ho- he's holding the stuff that you have seen people uh, dragging out of the seafloor. Kind of almost looks like the top of a pineapple, but red and pink. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's figure it out. But you kids have fun. No, we definitely won't. During their last day in the northwestern Kakudunai Sea Village of the Big Drink Wranglers, Mercus and Oat prepare the Ambler for departure, readying its inbuilt navigational system and packing as much of the crew's gear into its aftermarket storage compartment before filling what crevices remain with the somehow acquired sturdy pink-red leaves of the region's signature harvest. Remy, meanwhile, returns with his other companions to his hallowed ground behind the playground and the old woman to dole out small cubes of never-ever. The group cheers their portions clumsily above a crackling fire and down them in turn. Remy blinks into a quiet hall, tall ceilings with skylights glowing blue-white and rippling walls of black liquid with vertical, gray-green struts, hard stone floors with seating every few yards. Benches? He waits to see someone sit on one and then does the same with relief. There are people here, human-ish, but not, and not many. They pace sternly around large stone plinths which emit a low creaking noise. It is calm and threatening 
all at once. Venos wakes up groggy on the floor of some lab. Dim, recessed lighting shows the outline of a medium-sized room. Metal walls and tables all around, cluttered with vessels and instruments. He asks a rusty pair of forceps where he is, and it replies with dull murmurs about the proper technique for removing shrapnel. A loud, distant hum, and eventually a wide viewport window, reveals that Venos has found himself on a massive space hulk. He wanders for hours and sees not one other sapient. Beta materializes in a small graveyard behind a short building made of mud with a thatched roof. It's cold and smells faintly of sulfur. Beyond the rock walls of the yard, a long and flat grass ends in a gray-blue sky. The only sounds are the wind, a distant shore, and muffled singing from the other side of the wall to her back. She sits for what feels like hours and watches the horizon. The sun never rises, it never sets, it just maintains a strange half-light until she dozes to sleep. In dreams, in her dream, of what she may ask those laid under her feet. The three of them wake the next morning near the playground, well-rested, and walk to meet Mercus and Oat by the Ambler. Where do you guys want to go? The gentleman that you spoke to said that you likely wanted to go to the embassy in No Laster. Is that where you want to go? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Mercus gets into the driver's seat. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, Remy's in the passenger seat. And everybody else just look. And there's two seats. Uh, there's two like bumper seats in the way back, and then a uh, like rig for a seat on the roof. But there's no actual seat there. Beta goes on the roof. <laughs> she's gonna. She's gonna hold on. Mm-hmm. Are we ready? Yeah. Punch it. Okay. And Marcus presses the button. It goes, <laughs> and it starts to roll. Um, <laughs> And uh, Beta, you can still see that old woman in the playground. Hasn't moved. Looks no different. Hey, what's that? <laughs> huh? I don't see anything. That lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought she was a thing that uh, the drugs made me see, but it seems like she's still there. Hmm, so weird. Just so you guys know, I mean, your characters don't know this, but the players can know that. Like, uh, unless someone destroys her, she's going to stay there for like 10,000 years. Like, that's just not going <laughs> to... Like, she won't, she's not going to go away. That's amazing. <laughs> she's made of, she's made of exceptionally durable, like non-biodegradable material. <laughs> and is, and is completely biologically accurate to being an old lady, except for the fact that, except she's not alive. Uh, so yeah, I guess, I guess that's a monument that you've made. Is that technically <laughs> yeah, a monument? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> a landmark. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so you leave uh, the Ambler's tri-wheels. It has those sets of tri-wheels on its base. It uh, rolls you out of town um, as you're leaving. 
you know, you're like on these skinny winding beach roads uh, that are uh, mostly sand. Uh, the ambler navigates around obstacles here and there. It's choosing roads for you. It seems like it generally knows which way to go and has a pretty good sense of, uh, you know, where where it needs to be and what a road is. Um, you don't know whether or not it's figuring this out on the fly or whether or not this is pre-programmed in, but like it feels pretty safe and it's moving rather confidently. There's also a kind of um, bulbous CRT screen, like a small rectangular screen that's set into the dashboard that's got a, a little mechanical keyboard below it. And uh, the screen is currently showing a map of the region and you can see there are some controls for you to move it around or zoom out. Uh, and you can actually just input your destination, uh, you know, company embassy, no laster. And uh, seems like, yeah, the Ambler will just take you where you need to go. Uh, it does seem like, you know, every once in a while where there's a fork in the road and like, it doesn't really matter which direction you go. It'll ask, you know, do you want to go left? Do you want to go right? And uh, you'll just jiggle a joystick in one direction or another and it will take you, yeah, where you need to go. As you're leaving, it's it like dodges some zogs that get in the way of the road that are crossing. Uh, so it seems like it knows what obstacles are. Uh, considering that we travel mostly through Stiffworks, does anyone in the car get car sick? I mean, I feel like Remy's been in cars before. I think he's chilling. He's kind of excited to be back on a thing that has wheels. Venus is fine. I mean, Beta's Beta on the roof, is, so. Beta's not, <laughs> not exactly comfortable. Is she car sick? No. But she made this choice and she's going to sit with it. Just picturing Beta's like the cape that the Ambler is wearing. Like, <laughs> the silver cape. <laughs> <laughs> Or it's like with that movie Death Proof where yeah. <laughs> I kind of imagined her holding it like a, her sitting and kind of holding underneath it. Like holding onto the rails and yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. As you're, uh, so you go for maybe like 15 or so minutes down these beachy roads, you see there's you go in and out of these dunes and around these old houses. And uh, you see, as you reach uh, what on the map appears to be the edge of town, there's something like a checkpoint. Uh, there's like a little house in the road. And you can see that outside of this hut, uh, there is a waiting. There is a big drink wrangler uh, that is uh, leaning back in a, ch a chair, like what counts as a chair for a being that has like, you know, uh, what nine legs or 16 legs or something you know it kind of looks like a chaise lounge and he's half sitting half leaning and uh, as you get closer and closer you can see it looks like he's whittling something with uh, two sets of his many arms and uh, he sees the ambler come up and uh, he puts down the wood and the blades that he has in his hand sets it on the windowsill of this tiny hut and uh, he gets up and kind of like straightens himself up stands in the middle of the road as if to say like all right you know you gotta you gotta stop and check out before you leave uh do you you slow down yeah mercus slows down all right oh <laughs> well 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 i see crafty basis holder gave you the scrambler huh Ooh, it's very <laughs> nice must know what you're doing to get this old thing up and rolling yes sir official business on behalf of the co Oh, it's a cornucopia surprise and wonder out here. <laughs> Y'all are coming from the cold, that's right. We are en route to meet our company at the embassy. But you're from Spin, I reckon, yeah? Technically. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> technically, yes, is it? Yes. Uh, you all are probably still wearing at least portions of your uh, like <laughs> Uniform, exosuits, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he would he would immediately clock you as like space travelers. <laughs> well, if you ain't a crew of still fleeters, I reckon you'll do until they get here. Well, we came here by accident. Are we on the correct route to No Laster? No, oh, yeah, you're on the correct route to No Laster, I reckon. Yeah, 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 on a good route there. Now you you got a you got a navigation machine or some kind of computer that can tell you, correct? I believe so. And Mercus gestures to Remy. That's me. <laughs> you're st- I'm a computer. <laughs> no, oh, machine man. <laughs> <laughs> can I touch you? No. Fair and square. <laughs> now, well, you know what? Uh, a lot of people around here don't uh, can too kindly uh, to the still feeders and your co and such. But, uh, well, me, I don't mind at all. I like a little novelty every once in a while. I'm sure you understand. Uh, Remy gestures to Mercus and, like, like gestures to him and's like, come here for a second. Come here. Come here, like, yeah. talk. Yes, yes. Yes, Remy. What the fuck are we doing? It's a checkpoint. Just want to follow the protocol. Okay. <laughs> it's making me itchy. So I could give you a hard time to pass through, but, uh, you know, things have, we've seen better days here on Cockadoom. But uh, I'll just say you you go on. You get out of here. Now, you just promise me you you be careful out there, okay? You're going to be passing through Molnog and Xanthrus and the Bone Snatch. Now, if you go the southern route, don't recommend that. That's Raider country. Uh, maybe Gentlaw and the Uri before you get to the Jash. Just keep an eye on your tails. Stop for the folks who look like trouble, and don't stop for the folks who look like big trouble. Oh, thank you, sir. And Mercus turns around. Did anyone get that? I'll say it again. You're going to be passing through Molnog, Xanthrus, and Bone Snatch. If you go the southern route, I don't recommend that. That's Raider country. Uh, you might be going through Gentlaw and the Uri before you get to the Jash, which is the location of your destination. Now, now look, look, look here. This Mercus is just drives basic. off. <laughs> oh, wait. If you see any facts, that's just as loud. <laughs> uh, you leave that old man in a cloud of dust. I'm sorry, everybody. I got impatient. <laughs> uh... <laughs> If if you look at the map, you can probably like half catch that uh, some of the things that he was listing are like places in Kakudun. Uh, like if you zoom out, you can see that there, yeah, there is like a region uh, that your pathway is taking you through. That the 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 the, the next one that you're gonna pass into is called Molnog, and there are other ones that you see called Zenthrash and Bone Snatch and a bunch of others. Uh, so like it sounds like he was listing places. Your computer says uh, that you have uh, like, you know, between six and eight hours before you will arrive. So I think you are all now officially on a road trip together. <laughs> um, you have hit the dusty trail, literally. So yeah, for at least the next little while, you're basically all just going to be driving through the countryside uh looks like dooney farmland um you see a bunch of uh big drink wranglers working various sort of like odd jobs um in fields uh in front of uh, pieces of old looking machinery doing farming work tending to animals tending to zogs uh you see uh, a few uh, spider goats in pens what do you guys do on the first bit of your road trip Marcus is drawing in the dirty window like 
what he thinks says Deep River, but doesn't. It's just <laughs> unintelligible. It's just like dirty, lizardy finger mucus marks on the window. And he just sighs at it. <laughs> um, Beta's trying to convince the group to make every pit stop uh, possible uh, in the off chance to meet some people. Yeah, Remy's going to go with that because Remy needs gunch. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, as you're driving through, like when you leave the Northwest um, and the Sea Village, um, you don't see any town for a while. Uh, and mm. once you get past the farmland uh, where you see the big drink wranglers tending to some spider goats, you don't even really see any people for a while. Uh, so there's uh, unless you want to like pull to the side and look at an empty field uh, or stand on the edge of a forest. Uh, you don't, for at least the first couple hours, uh, see much in the way of towns. Marcus leans over looking at the navigation system and is there some kind of entertainment here? <laughs> yeah, let's say that you click through enough menus that you can find a very um, old version of the game Snake. Oh. And the daily. <laughs> and, and, and from from the year from now from so now. like it's yeah you push you, yeah you, no it is barbaro yeah. it is you hold on I'll the just, new york times daily from the year 2000 i'll just cut it in yeah but you it's, uh, it's, you push a button and you hear it's <laughs> november 23rd 2020 i'm michael barbaro what is this and Mergus is just going da, 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 and finds Remy the, the snake game. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, the first hour or two, you guys pass through a bunch of uh, farmland, um, and the farmland kind of slowly gives way to to trees. Seems like you're entering into a more like forested area. It starts off pretty sparse at first. Um, there's these really thin, tall trees with these big berries uh, like hanging from the side of them on their branches. It sort of looks like someone tacked red oranges to the side of a birch tree. Um, and the ground underneath the ambler goes from uh, sandy, uh, like loose kind of sand to packed dirt. Uh, and then the dirt sort of gets loamy after a while. And you can feel the ambler and the triwheels struggling and it kind of, you know, has to labor over some obstacles uh, and uh, after a while um, it kind of it can't do it anymore and it asks uh, the pilot for permission to change its method of conveyance uh, and so there is a little dialogue that you can say yes or no to Remy presses yes because yeah he Remy sees Mercus uh, like daydreaming about presumably deep river and takes over it uh you hear a whirring sound and uh you don't see much until the um chassis sort of lifts off the ground a little bit and you see a bunch of spindly legs come out of the side of it uh and it's kind of straddling the road surface and crawling like a spider uh to try to avoid all of the sinky dirt sort of continues like this for a while um and you go through this forest the road widens, you can hear the spider legs retract, and you can see in the distance there's like a clearing. Over the road in this clearing, there is a, a huge kind of ramshackle gatehouse, and it's got um, structure on either side of the road, and it goes over the road. Kind of looks a little bit like the old huts that you saw in the sea village. It's like very old construction, looks like it's been here a while. As you get closer, you can 
make out two humanoid shapes that are on the roof of the gatehouse. Looks like they're sitting. You can see little tufts of smoke coming up uh, as uh, they're sitting there. Uh, And when they see you approach, they wait a little while. But then after a while, you can see they stand up. They walk to one side. They disappear into the gatehouse. Eventually, they emerge from one side of it. You can tell that they're um, wearing these green uniforms with red stripes and... uh, they uh, are holding clank rifles. It's kind of like a 22. Uh, it's just like a bolt action rifle. And uh, when you get closer, uh, they both stand on either side of the road and they put their hand up very clearly asking you to stop. Marcus makes a worried sound, but <laughs> slows down. When you slow down, uh, do you come to a stop? Uh, you get closer to them? Uh, Marcus stops a little short, actually. Not quite. <laughs> Not quite at them? Not quite at them, yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, they walk, they make an irritated face, uh, <laughs> and uh, they they both of them walk towards you. Uh, the one that is on the driver's side, Mercus, is maybe like a 20-something human uh, with uh, stubble uh, and uh, like sort of short, greased hair. And uh, the one that is on the passenger side is a little bit shorter um, and uh, is like probably also a little bit younger. Um, and just has uh, also short, like sort of military cut uh, blonde hair. The one that's on the left kind of gets close to you and bends down and and is level to you uh, with the window. Now, what brings you to the West Molnog border this fine day? Greetings. We are on our way to Norlaster. Oh, well, now this is quite a conveyance you found here. Is this yours? It was gifted to us. Hmm. Hmm. It's a big gift. We rehabilitated it. Well, great job. Never seen anything quite like it, I don't think. Neither have I. Uh, the one that's on the passenger side is kind of like kicking at the tri-wheels a little bit and uh, making like a making a face like, huh. Now y'all are all wearing the same clothes. Is that on purpose? Yes, they were assigned to us. Still fleet us. Can I get a yes? Can I get a no there? <laughs> yes, we are still leaders from the worshipful worship. What's it called? <laughs> worshipful company. Yeah. Yes, we are still leaders from the worshipful company. Thank you. And who may you be, sir? Worshipful company of still leaders. Now, if there's one thing he's talking to his friend now, you know, if there's one thing I know about still leaders, it's that they're always taking things and bringing things. Now. He's looking back at you in the car. Would you say that the worshipful company of still fleeters is sort of an import-export business? Mercus scratches his head. <laughs> well, that's funny because I always thought it was. Egan, didn't you think it was? That's, uh, that is my understanding, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, now, let me ask you a quick question, everybody. You wouldn't happen to be smuggling any red plant in this strange new vessel of yours, would you? You got a shipment of pink stuff in there, maybe? Yeah, look him in the eye. You bringing a load of rust weed through the nog, are you? I I don't know what that is. Um, I as I look, I was. Do we have anything in the car? Because I mean, I think Remy gen, genuinely doesn't know. Mercus has his hands on the joysticks and is clutching them <laughs> and staring forward. Anything that we have on us is property of the company. I don't believe that is the question that my colleague has asked you. I'm sorry, what was the question? (laughs) You got any red plant in there? 
I, I, no. You got the pink stuff? You bringing pink stuff into my nog? Pink stuff? What? This is... Binos looks at Oat and sees if, uh, see if there's any expression on Oat's face. Oh, I know, I know what you're talking about. I know the red plant. We came from, uh, the beach back that way, and, uh, yeah, we saw a lot of people carrying a lot of red plant around, but, uh... They offered us some, and we tried it, and uh, it was just too spicy. I mean, it almost killed my little friend here. No, 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 no. We don't, um, we wouldn't be taking any of that. I think it doesn't sit uh, too well with a lot of the metabolisms of these, uh, these young ones here. You know what I mean? Mercus turns slowly and just says, I'm sensitive. The blonde one says, and so is the Malnog ecosystem. You can't be bringing any of that through the border. And we're just going to have you sign a document here promising that you've been made aware of these restrictions? Oh, yes. And Mercus offers a bulbous hand. <laughs> what? <laughs> that'll do. That'll do. But now listen, everybody. Now that you've seen the regulations in hard copy, I think we can all agree that morally it would be wrong of you to break any of these rules. Okay. All right. Can I get some uh, ethical buy-in from everybody in the conveyance? Oh, yes. sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Ethical buy-in all around. Was yes, yes. We don't have any red oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And look, We don't want any trouble. You know, things here are tense as they are, and we don't need outsiders making it any worse. You understand? Understood. Y'all have a lovely afternoon. <laughs> Thank you very much. And Mercus just pushes forward on the joysticks. You go underneath the gate, uh, the gatehouse uh, that is across uh, the long flat road that you are on, and you enter into a very dense forest on the other side of the clearing. The trees here are um, much more densely packed. They are very wide, and their bark is bright red. Uh, it sort of looks like, uh, like kind of like brick like petrified wood but not and it is just it's very beautiful it almost looks like like an alpine forest you can see um off to your left uh there are these very tall mountains uh, through the thick of trees that you can just make out uh the land as it swoops up um and uh that's yeah like sort of to the north um and then yeah to the right as far as you can see beautiful like wilderness the trees begin to clear and you know the ambler is taking you left and then right and then left and then right down all of these sort of paths as they break off through this forest can uh, Mercus roll will a seven. Oh, great. The navigation system wants to know uh, there's like a big fork coming up really soon. And it wants to know if you want to go left or right at the fork. What direction are we facing, like compass wise? Uh, you are going like sort of south, like mostly south, sort of southwest or southeast rather. Uh, southeast. Uh, I guess to the right? Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody have an opinion? I guess the right. Yeah. The right sounds like a perfect decision. Great job, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. We just we just don't want to go south. south yeah. We just don't want to go south. We just try to. I don't know. Or maybe we do want to go south, experience something new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess the right. Okay. You go right. My understanding is if you are going south, southeast. Oh, did I have it wrong in my and head? And you go and you go right. You are going due south. Oh shit! Okay, that's not Which, what I wanted to but do. I'm, but I'm, but that's what you said. So I'm okay. taking. So that's so I had you go it wrong. <laughs> I messed up. Does, All right. Does the compass? Does the compass say south? Yeah. Okay. Mercus made a mistake. 
so what you see when you make this adjustment, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, we definitely want to go south. The left branch goes to uh, what looks like more forest for a second, um, but it looks really manicured. It looks very, it uh, looks like it's been uh, like almost landscaped. Like you can see these little tufts, these regular tufts of very colorful flowers. And to the right, uh, you can see what looks like, uh, it's not desert, but like it's much flatter land with no vegetation or very little vegetation and a drawbridge. Uh, it looks like there's a ravine that uh, passes by underneath and uh, you have to pass over this bridge. When you jiggle the handle uh, and you point it towards the right, uh, the ambler starts to uh, go over this drawbridge. And then as you cross over it, uh, once you're on the other side, you can see it uh, begins to raise and uh, goes up into the air. Uh, and is just from the other, on the other side, is pointing straight up and down. You can just see this wooden construction. You're driving along for a minute or two. As you drive, the horizon uh, kind of starts to, like, bend and shift. It looks like space is kind of starting to, st to stretch. Things are... Uh, like the environment around you on the outside of the windows is starts to develop these creases uh, and like these weird folds. It's like you're no longer driving towards the horizon. It's like you've reached a point and you are stretching reality out behind you. And you can hear the ambler is actually like struggling. And then you hear a loud, low kind of <gasps> and Mergus is tapping the display like, what the, what's happening? Uh, and it turns off. The navigation goes blank. Uh, the engine sound stops. Um, anybody that is holding any piece of, like, teleinformatic equipment, uh, it is non-responsive. Uh, it doesn't appear to be to be on or functioning. And then you, uh, you start to hear some voices from uh, outside the car. Remy closes his eyes. I think he's going to try and take a nap. <laughs> uh, Beta calls down from the roof to Marcus. Uh, everything okay? What's going on? Uh, uh, let me let me look at let me look at this, everything. I'm not sure what's happening. And Marcus starts fiddling with the joysticks to no avail. And actually, Beta and who's in the back? Uh, who are like who are in the bumper seats on the outside of the car? I think Oat would be. Is it Oat and Venus? So Beta, uh, when you hear the foom for a brief second. The space that you saw that looked like it was getting stretched and creased in a very disorienting way turns dull gray black for just a moment. And then you are just enveloped in what feels like a sheet, like a giant, like, like piece of kind of crinkly fabric that you are kind of enveloped by, like trapped within on the roof of the car. Those of you in the back bumper seats also feels like you have a sheet thrown over you. This is not called for. And you, uh, the the group of you here, um, hear a number of voices uh, that are uh, coming from the near distance. One of them uh, says to the other, "Get it off! Get it off them! Get it off them!" Uh, and then you start to hear this sliding sound uh, as you are all released from this sheet. And you can see Jen uh, Mercus on the inside, right? When you hear the foom sound, it's, you see the same thing that Beta saw. You were once looking at weird stretched reality, and now you're just looking at like a weird gray sheet that's covering the, the car. And it slowly gets, gets pulled off of you. 
you can see standing in front of you, there are three raiders, a human, a mole rook, uh, which is a frog person, and a fex, uh, which is kind of like a, a raccoon uh, that is the size of a small child. Taylor, we didn't divide these. Which of the raiders do you want to be? I'll be Ikoi and Bego. Okay, so I'll be Odru. Odru is the human. Uh, he's holding what looks like a frisbee on a long chain, and he's got uh, like a completely shaved head uh, and very, very uh, fair skin. He says, "Ha, we got gotcha. you. We got gotcha. you. You take you you take out. Get out of the car. You get out of the car, and you give us everything you got. You give us all. You got Archaeotech. You got to give it to us." Give us everything! Give us everything you got! We want everything! We want what's on your feet, your hands, your brow, your hands in the pockets, whatever you got! Give it to us now! <laughs> Are you interested in some red plants? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Odru starts to walk towards the car and is walking to the driver's, driver's side uh, and goes for the door and starts to open it. And the frogman talks, Odru, if they've got red plant in there, you simply must get it for us. It's <laughs> worth a fortune in these parts, you know? Yeah, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to get it right now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he reaches in. He tries to grab Mercus. Remy Wait, opens his eyes. To grab uh, Mercus? Tries, yeah, he's, yeah, he's going to grab okay, Mercus. Mercus doesn't have his full suit on, so he's grabbing like the mucusy arm. <laughs> uh, yeah, he definitely has a hard time getting a hand on you. <laughs> Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. What are you doing? I'm taking what's rightfully ours. We trapped you fair and square, and now you have to give us everything you have. We have red plant. That's kind of it. He's looking at you, and you are a Shudza, a nanoman, <laughs> a blutter, um, a time wizard. He's like, I know you have more than that. I know you do. Yeah, I think I think this at this point, Remy opens his eye, one eye. Uh, and do these guys look particularly threatening? Um, they look like I would say your standard Mad Max goon. <laughs> okay, excellent. Um, I think, um, yeah, Remy's upset. He's going to uh, use Wear the World skin. What is that? <laughs> He's gonna step out of the car and try and eat one of these men. <laughs> <laughs> It was a pleasant road trip. Which is the one grabbing Marcus right now? Uh, Odru, the human. Uh, so Remy, from your perspective in the back seat, uh, he is basically just kind of like grappling with Marcus, trying to get a hand on him, uh, but can't because of how slippery Marcus is. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is yeah. Remy's going to step out of the car and then use Wear the World skin, which this is you burn 3d4 grit for each of the following number of rounds equal to your level plus one. Your form becomes monstrous, red and grotesque, and your powers shift. Each of your natural attacks deals uh, now deals decom or demove damage, whichever is higher. You gain plus two DR. You automatically intimidate all non-blooders who fail a will check. In addition, as a free action, you can regenerate one health per round per level by burning two grit. Uh, okay, so you like you scramble out of the car and kind of like elbow. I think he's moving very slowly and calmly. Yeah, and you like, <laughs> like he's just kind of push this guy out of the way, uh, and he's like, "Yo, get your hands off me, man!" Like you, we, I, I, ooh, what's that? And he's pointing at the caliper uh, thing that you have hanging from your belt. He's like, "I'll take that. That's definitely mine." So Remy reaches back. He has his like wooden katana. Uh, Yo, Ekoi, Bago, these and then, guys got a lot of good stuff. You got. And then he he bonks this dude on the head with it, and then uses where the world skin. <laughs> Uh, 3d4 was actually only four grit, so he's down to 16 now. Um, yeah, so I guess what this guy sees is Remy just 
he starts to like grow. It looks like he, his form is sort of shredding his suit, and you know, like he he his face shifts, and that's the thing this guy noticed first. His face just like like his jaw just drops like six inches, Ugh. and his <laughs> eyes turn absolutely just red. Oh, and you can see his cheeks writhing like with the nanites in them. And yeah, it's like his he's like undergoing sort of a Hulk transformation, but it's it's awful to look at. Oh my goodness. Mike, what is this guy's reaction to uh to seeing that? He has to, I was gonna he say, has to pass a will check. I'm gonna say, yeah, this guy's oh, gonna yeah. pass a will gonna have to pass a will check. Hold on. Mm, what's higher? Decom or demove? Yeah, my combat is thirteen, so Oh yeah, he um he starts to back up. And the frog the frogman says <laughs> I'll do, old boy. I, you must do as we discussed. If you need help, you have to ask for. Uh, I, I, uh, I think I, I think I need help. I think I need, <laughs> I think I need help. Remy doesn't let him finish the sentence, uh, and is going to just attack him, just like uh, open hand. I don't know, like he. It says your natural attacks, which I don't, I'm not exactly sure Probably what like that unarmed. means. Probably like unarmed. Probably Yeah, yeah. I would just like roll straight combat. Yeah. So I think what he's going to do is he's going to jump on this man and try and go for his neck, just trying to bite out of it. We'll do one round, roll your combat, and he'll ro- roll movement, and then we'll roll initiative. Oh, is it two? <laughs> he doesn't have a good movement, so. So probably be a two. Uh, two, oh. and Ty will go to the aggressor, so you, succe- you succeed. Yes. Uh, great. 12 plus. Ow. 13 damage. Oi. Oh. Uh, oh boy. Really? Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. He rolled a 12. Um, and got the plus one bonus. Uh, you tell me what happens. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Remy, uh, jumps on this guy while he's talking and takes a bite out of his neck with his unhinged jaw and I guess gets all the way around his throat and rips it out. Oi. And then looks at the other guys. Ah! Blood <laughs> in the air! Still there'll be more! Blood the ground! And the uh, the Fex, covered in blades in his leather gimp suit, hurls his screaming furry form at you. Excellent. Uh, okay, everybody, roll initiative. Oh my god. <laughs> they all they also all have to pass will checks, uh, otherwise they're intimidated, and I guess can't do anything. Bago, the Fex, sees all of this happen and thinks for a moment uh, at the at the insistence of Ekoi, the mole rook, uh, that like he's gonna he's gonna be able to do it. He's gonna really do some damage. Uh, but and then launches himself towards the group of them. But then maybe realizes just how big Remy has become. He like didn't really appreciate how fearsome this figure is and just slams himself into the side of the car. <laughs> Roll a one. Roll a one. First people to act are Beta, Venus, and Ekoi all at once. So if you want to do an additional move check as a tiebreaker, we can, uh, which is what we've done in the past. Venus got a two. I got a five. Ten. It'll go Ekoi, Beta, Venus. Mike, can you describe the weapon that Ekoi is holding? Ekoi is a mole rook, a frog person. They are very stocky um, and uh, they're sort of short and they're large and they have dark green uh, and have these like wide kind of sneering mouths. And uh, Ekoi specifically has, is very muscular uh, and has these giant arms. And in his right arm, he's holding what literally just looks like the body of a cannon. 
It just looks like a large, wide gun uh, that is made of very thick, heavy material. Um, and uh, he's just kind of like cradling it in uh, one of his giant arms. Beggar, boy, I will forgive my indiscretion, but the situation calls for no half measures. And he fires his cannon into Remy. <gasps> oh, boy. Ekoi, roll your combat, and Remy, roll whatever your movement is. Taylor made a face, so oh, I'm excited to hear what the number is. I got a six. The, the number is seven. Oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, so a... On an eight-sided die, too. It's close. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, a leaded ball. Like, a, it is It is almost certainly basically a cannon erupts from the center of this gun, and you can see uh, Ekoi is, like, bracing himself. And even so, you know, the sound is very, very loud. He's pushed back a few millimeters uh, when he sort of, like, flips the switch on the under side um, and uh, does D12 damage. That's a nine. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Remy has four damage reduction, so I guess he takes five damage. So take five damage. Remy starts laughing. Beta, you see your good friend Remy, now in monstrous form, get hit by a cannonball and laugh. Uh, that's a classic, Remy. <laughs> there is a, uh, a mole rook with a cannon uh, facing you and a fex covered in blades wearing, I believe Taylor said, a gimp suit um, has just slammed into the side of the ambler. Who's the other one that didn't just shoot the grenade? The fex, Bago. Bago. A little lemur raccoon man. Yeah, raccoon man, kind of like out of it on the ground, like having just slammed into the side of a car because uh, he, he misjudged his his uh, jump. Beta is going to author speak with Bago. So she's, <laughs> um, so she's just going to burn two grit to do that. She's going to very calmly, Bago, Bago, are you listening? Ah, what, what? Who's here? Who's there? Who's in my head? There's only room for one person here and that one person's going to be me. me. Bago, calm down. It's me. It's the shoot that's sitting on the top of the car. Ah. You see, you see me? You see me? I do now! Yeah. Uh, no, I just... <laughs> will you listen to me? You're going to want to listen to me. I don't think I have a choice, do I? <laughs> you really don't. And, uh... I love how listen. you've 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 weaponized this. Like, every time this has happened, everybody's just like, God, this is extremely unpleasant. <laughs> she, she really doesn't have many fighting skills, so she's got to use what she has. Now, Bagel... Now, can you re can you tell me exactly what you've just seen so far of of the past couple seconds? Ah, uh, this weird guy stepped out of the conveyance and, and bit the head off a of Wadru, and uh, so uh, me and Ikoi are gonna kill all of you and take your architect. Now let's let's really think this through. Do you think that's actually gonna happen? He just ripped the throat of your friend out, and then you shot him with the cannon. Really, the only thing that you guys have on you, and he laughed. So I'm just. I, I've been here before. I'm, I'm just thinking you're going to want to retreat. Roll charm. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> Go, <laughs> my, No, my charm's, my charm's a four, so I have to burn some grit. Yeah, burn and, some grit. Uh, Do it. Ba bagel roll. <laughs> burn it. Bagel roll, Will. No, I'm going to burn six, and I'm rolling a d4. Oh. And I got a uh, two, so that's eight. Well, I only, I chose a d4 as his will die, so I can't beat ah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Bago, the, the bag, the baghead robot, uh, surfing on the roof of this weird car, uh, I mean, makes a, makes a good, a good point. Run away! Run away! Run away! Ikoi! Ikoi, run away! 
Yes, that's the right choice. Keep going. As if you get far enough away, I will disappear from your your mind. He's gone. <laughs> he just he he looked back the way that the vehicle came and just started running that direction. He dropped two tiny knives onto the ground and just started running. It's funny. He has like 30 more on his tiny body. (laughs) But the ones he was holding, he threw down and ran. (laughs) These ones are cursed now. (laughs) We can figure out what Ekoi does when we loop around. Venos, it's your action. Uh, Venos um, gets a little bit of a lay of the land here. He sees what Remy's done, and it has definitely spooked um, Ekoi. We he sees the raccoon get freaked out, obviously from uh, something that uh, has happened you to his. You don't know what Beta said, but right, I don't know. I don't know what Beta said, but but something that Beta has done to his mind and freaks out. He also encourages Ekoi to run away. So he thinks that uh, Ekoi will probably be going away, but just in case, he decides to do something that'll just maybe freak him out a little bit more, just to push him over the edge. And he and he calls weird. So when a tremulant calls weird, what happens is our skin becomes discolored or slimy, and I smell like ozone or rotted fig. Uh, my uh, Venus's hair uh, completely stands on end and emits like a pale blue-gray glow, and I'm kind of pulsing and writhing a bit. So like sort of like an octopus does... Um, His skin becomes different textures. It becomes bright blue. He begins oozing and writhing and he all of his hair just starts slowly lifting and just glowing. And he just walks right up to him uh, and says, Listen to your friend. Mergus starts crying. (laughs) Mergus Mergus is crying in the front seat. All of your friends are ter- I mean, not only yeah, are these your friends, all of your new co-workers are terrible monsters. <laughs> didn't know the potential. Really didn't know. Hey, I only lost one health. As you approach Ikoi, he's pulling a big leaded ball out of like a sack that was hanging down by his thighs. And he's trying to like put it down the- <laughs> like it's an 18th century earth cannon. He's feeding it into the mouth of the cannon. And then he's pouring. He's like fiddling with things and trying to pour like stuffing and powder down there. And he says, now you stand back off world. I've got archaic attack that would terrify even the most towering. And no, you stay back. You stay back. Don't come any closer and then but of course he's loading his cannon and then you reach him and you say that uh and he rolls will what am i trying to be do we know it's not it's not mechanically uh demanded so i think we can determine uh if you know in role-playing parlance you know if this All is right. so i think that this is a difficult will check like he's gonna have to beat either seven or nine all right he's gonna burn three grit yeah and uh that's a four so he rolls a seven Ikoi is not going to run away, but Venus now has his complete attention. Okay, I think that's fair. The next person to act is Remy. Yeah, Remy's not going to let this guy get away, no matter what he did. <laughs> oh my god. Um, uh, yeah, you're only maybe about, like, you know, I don't know, like 20 feet away from this guy. So I think what he's going to do, Remy's going to walk, like, just, he's he's moving very slow. He's just walking very calmly, and he's going to look at uh, Ikoi and say, burn and then attack with Devour. Uh, yeah, roll your combat. Ekoi, roll movement. What'd you roll, dog? I got a four. Seven, baby. Oh, okay. A cloud of nanite sort of rises off Remy's skin and flies at Ekoi. But Ekoi ducks because he's kneeling. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, he kneels and he looks up at Venus and says, you raised some relevant points. <laughs> I beg of you, please, allow me a petty and humble penitent, dare I say criminal, escape back to the swamp I call my home. Never shall I bother this highway again. Mercus, it's your turn. Mercus is, uh, has been hiding in the footwell crying and not knowing <laughs> that everyone had these sorts of powers. <laughs> um, and he's just searching through his, his pack and is, is fumbling through all the things in there, like little doodads, bits of sand, plants. <laughs> and um, how far away is Mercus and Ekoi? You're, if you're in the car, yeah, maybe like 10 feet. But Venus and Remy are in between the yes. car and now they are, Ekoi. yes. Yeah, you're looking at the back. You're looking at both Venus and Remy's back. And on the other side of them, facing towards you, though you cannot see him, is Ekoi. Mercus just grabs the surest thing he knows how to use, which is the other bolas, and he just kind of like leaning out the footwell, like leaning out the footwell of the car, um, starts swinging them uh, and attempts to hit Ekoi in the head, just like as a tiny little dink. So you're going to kind of try to like lob it over your teammates. Yeah. And then down on the other side of them to just like bonk them on the noggin. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you got a three. Uh, <laughs> Didn't make it. Yeah, Ekoi, I mean, roll like... I don't even... Would you even roll movement? Would you know this is even coming? No, it, it would know it was coming. probably just whips yeah. right past. I'm going to say, yeah, like a three is pretty low. Yeah. Um, yeah, He, you, you throw them up and they arc and they, it just lands on the other side of Ekoi and Remy and um, Venus. you see in your horrible forms, you see what is very clearly Mercus's bola just land on the other side of Ekoi. <laughs> and you just hear a whimper as he retreats back into the footwell of the car. It is Bago's turn, but Bago is long gone. Bago is like hiding in a tree somewhere uh, back in the bucolic forest that you just left. Uh, so the next person to act is Ekoi. Please, he's looking up at Venus and goes, Please, my friend, please show me mercy, show me forgiveness. And he's bowing lower and lower to the ground. <laughs> uh, we can turn this into a charm roll if you want. That's not, I think that that's not what he's going for. Oh. I think it's, I think it needs to be like a deception or something roll on Venus. Like, cause he's, he's trying to do something else. Okay. It's an eight. I got an eight. I rolled a natural one, and then I had plus one on my roll, and then I had plus six. Nat one is an automatic failure, regardless of how much you add to oh, it. So. God. Oh, oh, God. Oh, God. As he was kneeling, Eco obscured his cannon with his body. Oh, and you while, son of and a... His blubbering, he his blubbering was only meant to obscure the fact that he was grabbing that cannon and rolling over oh. and firing it up in your face. No! Oh. Taylor, uh, roll Ekoi's combat, and Nick, roll movement at a detriment of two. So I cannot use my visage as a shield because I don't have time to, right? Ooh. Mm, Taylor, I think no. I think That was a surprise. Yeah, and you're not... Are you yeah. already wearing it? I'm not picturing you wearing it. Yeah, I mean, I have it on, but it's... that. But, but the thing is, it's not like... It's it's a little Activated. harness that's got a heavy metal plate in the center, and it's... It doesn't. No, I think it happens. I think it happens way too quickly. There's no way it's that you too would fast? catch okay. it. All right. Yeah, it's too fast. Yeah, roll, roll movement, roll movement at a detriment of two, and uh, Taylor, roll your combat. You first. 
<laughs> yeah, it was punishing me for knowing the role last time. Uh, Alright, I guess it's worth it to burn some grit to fucking roll better. I guess I'll burn nine to add nine. Eleven. Six. You can feel the air of the cannonball whiz by your skull. Uh, you can even kind of like smell the lead a little bit. Yeah. Oof. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, there's a loud explosion and the powerful blast even pushes Ekoi further down into the ground, uh, but he does oh, not, he does not connect. Oh, oh, what an accident, a misfire. <laughs> I would never attack you on purpose. My liege, my lord, clearly my superior, please have mercy on me, the little frog man. Oh my God. <laughs> the little frog man. Uh, and Beta acts next. Yeah, I think Beta is kind of like, eh, I'm going to let them finish up this guy. <laughs> she feels like she took care of one guy, and she's, she's going to kind of just keep sitting up on the roof. Uh, Venus, it's your turn. You have just had a cannonball shot at, shot at your head. Yeah, Venus really did do his best to try to make this nine violent, but um, that doesn't always work, <laughs> and unfortunately, he has no guarantee that I'm not going to get another cannonball shot at my head, so... He takes out a shotgun and points it, uh, holds it. Actually, he doesn't point anything. He holds it on the head of the frogman and uh, pulls the trigger. <laughs> roll combat and ekoi uh, roll movement. Nine. Four. Please, my friend, I, I, I have a family. Well, I don't have a family, but I'd love to have a family someday. You know, settle down. Bang! <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Remy uh, descends on the remains and starts eating them. <laughs> uh, sort of particularly viscous, uh, dark, dark red blood spreads out on the dry dirt in the middle of this road. Uh, and uh, Ekoi is silent because Ekoi is extremely dead. As Remy comes and uh, starts to further defile the corpse. <laughs> if you look at Remy closely, what you can see what's happening is like like bringing the stuff to his mouth, but the nanites are like absorbing it before it gets down. Like he doesn't, act, he's like trying to eat stuff, but the nanites are absorbing it before it even gets into his mouth. Uh, and you can see on the other side of Ekoi's body, the crater of the slug shot from the shotgun. It's a big divot in the ground. Uh, Remy, do a quick will will roll for me. Just pass a standard will check uh, so that you don't um, feel ex extreme amounts yeah. of guilt for consuming sapient flesh. Uh, Remy's going to burn three, three grit. Also. That's a good, I think that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I think really you just maybe should have to burn three grit when you do a cannibalism. Yeah. Seven. He passes. <laughs> okay, good. And you can see him, you can see him, the transformation sort of end. Uh, uh, and he's back to, back to normal, except his hands are stained with dark blood. He walks back to the car. Uh, Beta sees uh, Remy start to move towards the body, and she's she's seen this before. She says, "Mercus, you want to come in the car? Let's let's have some mustache rocks." <laughs> Mercus is in the front seat, footwell, crying. <laughs> Remy also gained D three health from that uh, flesh. Oh, good. Back to twenty. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what you see now that you've dealt with uh, these raiders. There's there's a weird sheet still around the car, draping it and like kind of in front of it. Uh, I don't think you know what this is, but you can take it if you want. It's like a really quite large gray sheet of some kind that does something involving recreating reality. If 
you get inside the car and Marcus, maybe you have noticed this as you've been uh, inside of it. It's like blinking on and off. When there was that foom sound, it turned off and the screen went blank. And as you've been involved in this fracas, uh, it's like the, the ambler is trying to turn back on, but like can't quite do it. You can see it like blinks on and blinks off, blinks on for a little bit longer and then blinks off. It's kind of this intermittent, like attempting to reboot itself. So you get the sense that it's like working its way there, that like eventually it'll do it, but it can't quite do it yet. If you all inspect the scene a little bit and like just look around, um, you can see that there's like, you know, the rock that they jumped out from behind uh, when they were waiting to ambush you. Uh, there's a small footlocker uh, that if you want to open it, you can just sort of smash it open. Yeah, Mercus yes. goes to work to um, gather up the sheet and is going to take it. Remy okay. picks up the cannon. A Venus opens the locker. Venus, roll 1d10. Yes. Two. Roll two d20. Three. And the second d20 is 16. You find one relatively small and one like quite large, like hefty piece of Archaea tech uh, in this box. Um, and as we have been doing at the beginning of next game, I will tell you what it is that you will find. Uh, I will ask you to roll some dice to determine what it is. But it seems like this is maybe stuff that they've stolen from other people. You also find in the uh, this footlocker uh, what looks like piles of mail. Uh, like they've just sort of like maybe hmm. knocked over a courier uh, and like taken messages that were meant for other people and uh, if you flip through it you can see that there is a small envelope uh, that is addressed to Assessor Vasparal care of mm. the worshipful company of Still Fleeters Embassy No Laster Jash and there's you know some more specific address information there uh, but it looks like this is some official company communication that uh, has been waylaid by these bad boys Marcus has the stylus out and is shaking we were ambushed Remy's face changed <laughs> so did Venus Beta you said there's a rock that I can eat yeah let's have some mustache <laughs> rocks these are fun remember they give you the mustache let's do that I didn't get one before here you take one of mine Yep, we're all uh, we're all clear over here on this side of the uh, vehicle over here. Woo! Thank you so hey, much, Oat. Oh. We really couldn't have done it without you, Oat. We really appreciate I, that. I am so glad, Oat, that you didn't see any of that. <laughs> <sighs> see any of what? What Remy is that, a cannon? It's a cannon. It's my cannon now. I'm very excited. Uh, Remy, um, Bijan, roll a D4. Three. Uh, Ekoi had three additional leaded balls. Oh, Remy gets back in the car and closes his eyes and goes back to sleep. Uh, yeah, if you guys all load back in after, you know, probably another like 10 minutes or so, uh, the car blinks on and doesn't blink off. So as soon as the Ambulier powers back up, he tries to reverse <laughs> a turn us around mm -hmm. and try to go back to the other side of the fork. Not south. You are now leaving Float City. First things first, shout out to Brad Romance, the champions of our first Fun City trivia stream a few weeks ago. Check out the Fun City Patreon and Twitter account if you want to see when we host our next rounds of Port Person Toes. And of course, what am I looking at here? 
Thanks for listening, and if you like the show and want to help us keep making it, head on over to patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures. Five bucks a month gets you access to a whole other show we do called Fun Chatty. It gets you access to our red as heck discord full of very weird and very smart nerds. It gets you access to music, playlists, and more. It is a wild deal. You know you wanna patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures and of course thanks to all of our current patrons for help keeping this ship afloat hi i'm Bijan steven and i play remy tester on float city you can find me online on twitter at Bijan steven b-i-j-a-n-s-t-e-p-h-e-n on twitch at the same name and on instagram at Bijan cakes B-I-J-A-N Cakes. I'm Jen De La Vega. I play Mercus Imeldar. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Randwiches. That's the word sandwiches, but replace the S with an R. This is Shannon O'Dell. I play Beta Combat. You can find me on social at Shodell. Hello, this is Nick Gersio, and I play Lux on Fun City and Venos on Float City. You can find me at Nicholas Gersio on Twitter and in Gersio on Instagram. You spell Gersio, G-U-E-R-C-I-O. I'm Taylor Moore, and I play all the cool, interesting characters. You can follow me at taylor.biz. <laughs> My name is Mike Rignetta. I am your GM, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rignetta. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Fun City Ventures. Float City is played in a soon-to-be-released system called Still Fleet, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Still Fleet. This episode of Float City was recorded at various locations around Brooklyn, New York. It was produced, edited, and sound designed by me, Mike Rignetta. This is the right and ready way. I know it by the sound that our feet make. Remember, Pixel Riffs. I have saved thee from death. Fun City's music is by Sam Tyndall. Remy's flute playing is by Jake Fridkiss. Our art is by Tess Stone. Our Discord mods are Olivia Gulen, Kit Pulliam, and Kestrel. And the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton.